Up and on Texas football's Longhorn live stream on Sunday nights. Jerry Hamilton and I trying to catch you guys up on some things that have happened today, uh, particularly in the recruiting realm. Uh, the Longhorns uh, having a mini camp uh, for mostly underclassmen, uh, so sophomores, even freshmen. Uh, we're hearing about an offer or two that we can't mention right now until the player himself uh, announces it. Uh, but uh, long story short, Jerry, uh, Longhorns had a lot of guys on campus today. Uh, Texas baseball's got a game in Palo Alto in about 55 minutes. The Longhorns currently one up in the Super Regional over them. A big five-run inning last night uh, to win in the ninth inning over Stanford uh, takes Texas one game away from its third consecutive appearance in, in a row. That'd be the uh, first time the, since uh, 2005 Texas has been the three in a row. That's amazing if they pull it off. It really it's is. Re it's really it flies in the face of David Pierce not being uh, the guy kind of talk that a lot of people have. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll go further into that a little bit. Is it not, be it's, still, it's the Bobby. It's always crazy to me that he was the head coach at Pasadena Adobe in 1990. Yes. <laughs> I mean, where he, he went to high school where my dad was coaching at the time. That's crazy to me. Uh, you know, he, he was uh, reared by Rain, Wayne Graham was his right. mentor, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, so I, I think that's the that's where we got to, uh, you know, he down in that Houston Southwest or Southeast Houston side. Uh, Wayne Graham and uh, was a coach at San Jack, for example, for a long time before going to Rice and leading Rice to its only national championship in my lifetime, I think, of any sport. So, um, all right, uh, let's get going. We're also going to take your questions tonight. Uh, so feel free to drop any kind of team or recruiting questions. Uh, basketball questions are fair game as well for Jerry, uh, in particular, more so than me. Uh, but we'll get going. Uh, Jerry, you have anything you want to open up with? Let's talk about the Texas Tech commit uh, that was yes. on campus. He's a 2024 big lineman out of Dripping Springs. Yeah, that uh, Inside Texas broke the news to start the morning that uh, Jacob Ponton, uh, he's he's a really a late comer to the offensive tackle position. He's 6'6 and a half, about 275. Bobby, I don't know if you had a chance to watch him. Athletic kid. He's got a lot of upside, a really good early evaluation by Texas Tech. Um, but we broke the news in Inside Texas this morning that he was going to come to camp and work out for Sark and Flood. Flood went by Dripping Springs in May and, and apparently really liked his upside. Same thing kind of happened with Trevor Goosby. It was earlier for Goosby in the process, but it was still a spring eval last year when Goosby was committed to TCU and then Texas side, they were going to push for him. Difference here is Texas didn't offer him today. They're going to continue to recruit him. But the reality is, look, Texas has – Nair Daniels, Daniel Calhoun, and Brandon Baker coming in the next two weekends, all offensive tackles. Baker comes in next weekend with Eugene Brooks, Blake Ivey in that group in the 18th and the 23rd through 25th. Uh, Daniel Calhoun and Nair Daniels are in with Makai Sena and Daniel Cruz, who I think Texas leads for both of those guys, Sena and Cruz, by the way. I think Texas is feeling pretty good about both those guys. We'll see how it all shakes out. But so that tackle board has some really talented guys, national prospects. But if in the fall, you know, they say, okay, we might take that extra tackle or maybe we don't get one of these. We'll only get one of these top three guys we're after. Then look, he could be offered. Got it. Um, and uh, just so you know, Ponton was not offered. To not be offered. clear what you said. Okay. But he was an eval by uh, Kyle Flood. He went by the high school in May. Yes. Uh, to check on him. Okay. 
Yeah, I, Texas Tech trying to get after it on the recruiting trail. I'm going to go ahead and say this because there was some confusion whether or not Micah Hudson would be in Lubbock this weekend, the talented wide receiver out of Lake Belton. Uh, but he's actually scheduled to go next weekend to yeah. Lubbock. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, he, he'll be in Lubbock next weekend in Texas, the 23rd through 25th. So um, we'll see if he re- go, gets to Austin with any tortillas in his bags from his visit at Lubbock. I, I don't. Is, is there? Let me ask you this, because a lot of think people think Texas and and um, uh, Texas Tech are co-leaders or or leading the pack. Isn't Ohio State in this a little bit, even though we think he wants to stay closer to home? Yeah, I, I think AM's still in there with a possible visit during the season. I think uh, Tennessee or Georgia could get a visit too. Um, we'll just have to see. I mean, a lot of kids are going to commit before then, but yeah, I mean, look the. Uh, he has family in Ohio, so that's that's a place he's been before. Um, so it wouldn't shock me to see him make a visit there uh, because, look, it, 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 whether he goes there or not, it's a chance to go to one of the best universities, make that official visit, and for his him and his mom to see family in Ohio. So uh, they have some roots in Ohio, um, but I do think he'll end up staying close to home at the end of the day. Jerry, I want to go now uh, next to the Miami official visitors, yes. uh, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, and that's that's a big one for this weekend for us because uh, the the Hurricanes had three guys on campus that Texas is very interested in, right? Um, yeah. They had Jarrett Gibson. Uh, the uh, Let's start with him. The running back uh, out of IMG Academy. He was on campus at Miami, and Miami is thought – to be the number one contender, yes, he visits Texas this coming weekend. Two weekends, oh, oh, two weekends. I'm sorry. So it's He's, really close to him yeah. making a decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny if you follow like all the recruit stories and stuff on Instagram, Bobby. It's, it was almost like the old days. They got him out of the airport and dropped him off on South Beach. Said we'll see him in about 24 hours. Right, the old Brock Edwards official visit, whose mom said, "No, no, no, we're not doing this. You're going to Texas." <laughs> Uh, do you remember that one, Bobby? Like Brock just literally got <laughs> dropped off in South Beach. It looks like they're kind of back to the South Beach official visit, uh, which is, hey, that's not bad if you can sell it. I mean, um, but yeah, Jarrett Gibson, look, I do think Miami is the contender for Texas. I think Texas leads. Um, he goes to Tennessee this weekend, who was the number two team behind Texas during the season. Then he goes to Texas the 23rd through 25th, and then he'll be done with the process. I, he, he says he's going to commit it could be way before senior season it could be right before senior season I don't think he's going to carry on much past his official visits I think he's he's pretty much got this down to Texas versus Miami um, not counting Tennessee out they get the official visit uh, but I like where Texas sits I'm not saying something can't happen but I like where they sit today what about Colin Simmons because that's a, another big one nation's uh, one of the top edge rushers big priority out of Duncanville Texas and LSU thought to be the co-leaders, according to Colin, as of late of as of last week. Right. Uh, te- he he took the visit to Miami. What's the latest there? Yeah. First of all, I think Colin's very smart. You go officially visit Miami, then you go to Oregon. Right. <laughs> I mean, though that's smart visit planning. Uh, but I still think this guy's going to stay close to home. I know Miami's going to take a mighty swing. I know Oregon will take an Aaron Judge-like swing next week. But I just, at the end of the day, I just think he's going to stay close to home. Uh, I think it's going to come down to LSU, Texas, with maybe Texas A&M being a possible sleeper to be in that mix. He's going to visit them late July. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, the news came out this week that Collins' official visit to 
LSU is November 11th for the Florida game. That's a long time between the Texas and LSU visit. Now, he'll show up in Austin during the season. I think we all know that. The, uh, t- two weekends, tw- 23rd through 25th, won't be the last time Colin Simmons is in Austin before he makes a decision. But no, uh, but it looks like LSU is positioned for the last official visit. Uh, Jerry, the one other one I wanted to ask you about, that was at uh, Miami, T.J. Lindsey. He's uh, a big uh, defensive yeah. lineman that's out of Bryant, Arkansas, transferred uh, to uh, IMG for the fall. Uh, what What's going on with him? Yeah, he's he's one that's tougher to get a read on. Um, I talked to somebody uh, that covers Miami um, today, and they think Miami's in it. Uh, there, I think the thought coming into that visit was Texas A&M might have been a little out front of Texas and then Miami with Auburn fourth where he visited last week. Does that mean he's not going to Arkansas? No, but none of the indications are that. He's going from Bryant High to IMG his senior year. I just don't see that kid. He's going to Arkansas. I don't see it. So the question is, can Texas overcome Texas A&M? He's at Texas A&M next weekend and Texas the 23rd through 25th. Um, And I think Miami will be very much a part of that decision. Gotcha. Um, (laughs) I I like what he just said. That's a great point. Yeah, no doubt, right? No doubt. All right, we're going to take some more questions, get going. Uh, I know Jerry has some more uh, information that we want to get to as well, uh, not just uh, on uh, the official visits elsewhere, uh, but some other things that happened today. Uh, there's There's been some offers now public. I'm trying to get all those together so everybody has those, and we can uh, talk about those a little bit uh, as well too, Jerry, okay? So yeah. let's go to a couple questions, and let's start with this one, uh, Syracuse Horn. Uh, a report elsewhere said Trill Carter was not looking good enough to be a contributor. Uh, a contributor, any truth or just clout chasing? Well, that's that's untrue, um, right. based on what I've been told. Yeah. No. Uh, so he he. Uh, furthermore, his role is much like Keandre Cur- Coburn's in that he's supposed to be a, a plug guy, not necessarily a guy that's supposed to flash at you, right? Exactly. Um, and so. If you were to say that about Keandre Coburn in his offseason workouts, you'd probably say Keandre Coburn doesn't look good enough to be a contributor. Uh, the reality of it is, is that position's unique somewhat. Uh, so let's let's be aware of that. Uh, yeah, the I, the I, uh, I, thought I, is I, right I, now, he's yeah. very, very well liked uh, inside the building at this point. The guy played 500 and something snaps last year in Minnesota. He was an honorable mention, all Big Ten player. Um Last time I checked, the Big Ten's a better conference than the Big 12. So, yeah, this he, he's going to be a contributor. Um, and I think he's a two-year player, which is great, too, by the way. Yeah, I, I think that's big for the Longhorns to have more guys in the pipeline uh, from uh, that uh, recruiting, uh, from, from that uh, depth chart perspective. Right, Jerry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I just I like where that position is, Bobby. I really do. I mean, you know, I think they have if you count if Trill Carter and they have four guys that have played a lot of power five football. Right. And then Aaron Bryant had a really good spring. Sadir Mitchell has a bright future. Um, I think they're going in legitimately six deep next year at that position and they're going to play six guys. I think I think that's a, a real position of strength on this team headed into the next season. Got it. All right, let's let's take this one from Champ Bailey. Uh, three. Uh, what are the biggest recruits y'all remember from San Antonio area and San Angelo area? Mac, Malcolm ba- Brown from Cibolo Steel. I remember from the two thousand uh, from two thousand ten. I guess 
But I would like to know about San Angelo. San Angelo, it's a no-brainer. It's Shea Marins for me. Yeah. Uh, the uh, former Longhorn quarterback uh, in the late 80s, early yeah. 90s uh, at San Angelo Central uh, was considered the top quarterback prospect in the country. Ended up being a pro baseball player. Spent some time at, in, at Texas, but eventually went pro baseball, signed with the Yankees. Uh, I, I got to say, uh, maybe the guy I loved watching most was Gerard Douglas out of Converse Judson. Who went to Baylor over Texas, I believe, right, Bobby? That yes, was yes, he did. He was a hell of a player to watch on the high school level. Um, you know, Johnny Manziel from the area. I mean, yeah. obviously, probably had the best college career. I mean, I don't know how many guys Heisman trophy, Heisman trophy winner, Heisman Trophy winner from Bernie, San Angelo, San Antonio won a Heisman, but uh, uh, he, he had a he was a whale of a player. Obviously, he was a one man show at the high school level. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that Gerard Douglas, I absolutely love watching in high school. I remember watching the state championship game. Not sure if he's the most successful or the biggest recruit, uh, but he's got to be close from a success standpoint, and that is Priest Holmes. Yes, um, Tremendous career in the pros. Uh, Injury-marred career for Texas, but he did have some highlights, including a, championship, uh, a Sun Bowl victory over – North Carolina, Mac Brown's North Carolina team with a leaping touchdown. And then, of course, the 1996 Big 12 championship game where he just absolutely went off and was probably the difference in that game. Hey, somebody who made, I think, helped Texas and Mac Brown turn the corner was Wayne McGarity. Yep. You want to talk about a resilient guy, two ACLs stuck in there at Texas, ends up making some huge plays Mac Brown's first year. And I know it was Ricky Williams that won the Heisman. And they had a lot of NFL talent, but Wayne McGarity made some game-changing plays that year for Mac Brown to kind of get the ball rolling. Oh, here's here's a couple, and I agree with them. Cash That's Twins good. from San Antonio Holmes. Johnny Walker was on that same team as well, yep. the wideout. Uh, so uh, it's it's a interesting uh, question whenever you talk about San Antonio because not a lot of people think of it as a big-time football city. Yeah, um, but they have had uh, their fair yeah. share. Hey, hey, we college. got wait, we got to stop because you just had Cedric Griffin on the show two weeks ago. Yes, I did. <laughs> Another Holmes Husky. And yeah. I'll tell you who else was good. Remember Eric Flowers, the DN, that yep. went up at Arizona, JUCO, Arizona State in first round. He was a hell of a talent out of San Antonio. I think Roosevelt. Oh, here's my this would this would be my dad's answer, <laughs> Tommy Kramer. Felipe Vasquez with comes through with the big name before our time. Tommy Kramer. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is before your time. I think one of my very first football games I ever went to was at Rice Stadium, and Tommy Kramer was playing the Longhorns, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, some other people have mentioned Jalen Jones, DeMarvin Leal. Uh, Mar all, DeMarvin Leal, obviously, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Warren McVay, uh, those are all good ones. Tommy, hey, here, Here's a little San Antonio trivia. Hey, wait, time out. Tommy Nobis. Oh, well, there you go. San Antonio Jefferson, that's a big one. Hey, just a little trivia. I, I think he's still the head coach at East Central, but Joe uh, Joe Hubbard from Hooks played offensive line at Texas. I thought I he was from. I thought he was from uh, Hooks. Texas. Hooks. Joe Hubbard from Hooks, but he's the head coach at East Central in San Antonio now. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. talking about not where he played high school, but yeah, where he yeah. is now. He's there now, I believe. Yep. Gotcha. All right, let's get some some more questions. We're taking your questions today. Uh, feel free uh, to line us up. We're talking anything from recruiting to team. Uh, whatever you want to. We've talked about some of the bigger news points already that have happened over the weekend and today. Uh, let's go to Horns Fan 224, excuse me, uh, with the super chat. Thank you for that. What do you think the ceiling is for the 24 class? 
It feels like we might not get to 2022-23 levels. To be lucky, we were lucky to get Banks because Cristobal left Oregon. And um, Kate Williams. You're, you're, you're the guy on both of these questions, Jerry. Yeah, you know, it's it may be tough. I mean, you're talking back-to-back top five classes. I mean, three top five classes in a row is pretty rarefied air. I mean, that's pretty much been Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State's stomping grounds and LSU for a few years. But to get three in a row, um, you know, it, it may be a little tougher from a momentum standpoint. There's no Arch Manning, obviously. And you're right, the end of that 22 class, uh, Cristobal going to Miami when he did. Now, Texas is already working on Kelvin Banks, to be fair. I'm not sure he was going to sign with Oregon, but this made it easy for Texas after that happened. because they kept, And then, you know, obviously Cam Williams uh, flipped to Texas right uh, two days after that, I believe. Uh, but, look, here's just the thing I say. I think we had, there's 32 five-star, four-stars combined visiting Texas the next two weekends. If they win – Half of those, they're going to be right there knocking on the door again. And, I mean, whether you finish five, seven, eight, eight, you're stacking classes in a row. And it's going to come down to – recruiting always comes down to the five stars, right? I mean, the Anthony Hill flip was huge in 23, no matter the the class they had. That was another five-star in the class. So, Colin Simmons, Micah Hudson, Kobe Black, uh, those three guys who all look like they're going to make fall decisions – Texas could be sitting there at the seven, eighth ranked class for a long time. Then you win a couple of those, you end up four or five. You know, I, I got to ask you, what happened? When is Ryan? This this came up to me, and this is totally separate. Yeah, Ryan Wingo, the wide receiver out of St. Louis, uh, he visits next weekend, Jerry, and I'm I'm bringing this up, yeah, uh, because I was looking at the wide receiver board of who all they're bringing in, and. The only other guy that's really in that same category from a ranking perspective of Micah Hudson is Ryan Wingo. And he's got some, he's got an odd mix of schools. It's not your typical mix. He's got Missouri and Michigan. Not those aren't necessarily Georgia last weekend. Yeah, Yeah. those aren't necessarily receiver schools. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then he's got Texas. Is Texas really involved here, or is he an just taking a wild shot. I mean, what are your, what's your opinion? I I think Texas is involved. And the reason I say that is he was on campus for an unofficial last June when Arch and that Malik Muhammad, all those guys were officially visiting. And, and I talked to Wingo when the news came out that he was going to visit Texas. And and he said, coach Sarkeesian had been texting him the whole way through the process because I asked him because he hadn't met Chris Jackson before. Right. I mean, so that, so through the coaching hire, at wide receiver. Sarkeesian has always stayed in touch with this guy. So that's uh I mean that that's what you're that's what you're looking for with these kids is you're not gonna know everything that goes on in every recruitment. It, it's impossible to know. But just talking to that kid saying, okay, Coach Sarkeesian has been contacting this guy, then yeah, he's very high on the board. And they have a, they have at least a puncher's chance. Look, I, when he came out of that Georgia visit, I talked to somebody really locked in at Georgia. They're like, yeah, we don't, we're not, we don't know if we're a player here at Georgia. I think they're a player. Uh, it, the question is, does this guy do a Doyle Green Beckham and stay home? Right. Uh, that's well, they the got question. Luther Burden to stay home. Luther Bird. That's what I'm saying. So that's the question. If, if the decision is not, I'm doing all this and I'm going to end up at Missouri, I think Texas has a legit chance to get him. 
All right, Horns224 fan, thank you so much uh, for that super chat. Uh, if anybody else wants to do it, hop on in. We'll get going. Before I go to the next question, though, I want to mention this, and I was remiss to not say it at the outset. Congratulations uh, to the UT women's yeah. track and field team, national champions. Won it last night, yesterday, a couple of dominating performances. The sprinter, Jerry, for UT, last name Alfred, I think it was Genevieve, maybe, um, ran a 10-7 100 meter. That's amazing. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. I think she, she won the 200 as well, yeah. I believe. Uh, so congratulations to, to the Texas women uh, track and field team. That's big time there. Winning a national championship at any level is a special thing. Uh, so we congratulate, congratulate them. Uh, we'll see hey, when the, uh, the... Hey, is the Director's Cup pretty much wrapped up for Texas? No, it's actually if Stanford won the College World Series. Does that put them maybe in front? No, Stanford is actually ahead of Texas right now okay. uh, and likely to win unless Texas wins the College World Series. Okay. So Texas, does that count this women's national title? It does. Okay. It does. Yeah. Uh, Texas had some poor finishes. I think I was uh, reading uh, the commentary from two of the guys that uh, on Inside Texas that cover this uh, very uh, thoughtfully is the best way to say it. I mean, it's pretty impressive what they do. And um, it sounds like Texas had a bad showing in golf and then didn't point as well as they could have in women's rowing uh, as one of them. Uh, and then women's basketball this year was a little bit of a disappointment for such a big sport. So, Well, uh, Stein Metzger's here for beach volleyball, so he's going to pull Texas through. Stanford's in trouble now. <laughs> well, I don't think Texas is going to have sailing next year, though. So we'll yeah. have to see it. All right. Hey, uh, Jerry, let's go to this one. David Gilbert. Uh, whenever y'all talk about RBs, y'all <laughs> never really mention Jaden Blue. Is he on the team next year? I think he's going to be on the team. The reason we don't really talk about him is because we think that he's kind of duplicative based on what they have. I mean, he's not as good as Jonathan Brooks. Um, he's not quite what Savion Red is. Um, he's not Cedric Baxter from the big bulky type. And then you have Keelan Robinson that kind of is what he is, right? Yeah. So that's why he's kind of, I don't want to say he's caught in numbers because he did play. He had a great spring game, I thought. A great, a relative term, but a very right. good spring game. I, I think that's why we don't talk about him that much because he's kind of caught, right? Yeah. Uh, Dave, by the way, he's definitely on the team last year. I posted a photo of him uh, from last big visit weekend last week on Inside Texas. Uh, he looks good physically. But yeah, it's like Bobby said. I mean, I think he, I think he's going to have a chance to make plays in space, right? You got to get him the ball in space. Um, it, 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 the Rice, the Wyoming, some teams, some teams like that where you have an advantage up front, and you can get him the ball in space situations. I think he's a big play chunk yard yardage guy. I think against Alabama, he's not the guy you're going to hand the ball off to, and, and, and that's where I think that we're we're talking against Kansas State. He's not the guy you're going to hand the ball off to, really. Uh, so you're going to have to find creative ways to let his playmaking and space ability come through, right? Yes. Is he as tough as Savion Red? He, well, no, because like even when you watch Blue in high school, and I've said this, and this is not a knock on him. He has as good a hands as I've ever seen him for a running back that I've evaluated in person. But what he didn't have was drop pads and run through guys on the high school level. You don't normally suddenly get that at the Power 5 level. You, you know, he, he's a space player. He does. He's got great hands. He wants to – 
he wants to get to the corner. He wants to get to the edge. He wants to find open space as quick as possible. Uh, and so that's where Sarkeesian and those guys have to be creative to use that ability and get in the ball in some spots. Got it. All right, uh, Jerry, this is going to be for you and I both, I think, uh, from Forrest Eldridge. Yeah. Do you think the Montgomery County area down in uh, North Houston area will ever become a hotbed in recruiting? Really looking forward to Derek Lagway, my quarterback out of Willis, playing that Oak Ridge defense. Um, Jerry, your thoughts there? Yeah, you know, hotbed. I don't think a hotbed, but I still tie it into the Houston area, which is a hotbed in itself. I do I mean, too. I mean, that that's my thing. You're 40, what, 50 miles from the medical center um, in the woodlands. So I still count it as that. But look, I never thought I would see an Oak Ridge team that had two potential five-star prospects on it. I will say that. I never thought I would see that happen. So um, look, Joseph Osai came out of this. So the woodlands isn't producing – the high-level D1 guys right now that, that they once did, the Travis Lightcos of the Worlds and the Irons and those guys, right? Um, but Oak Ridge has five D1 kids over there and two are potential five-stars. I didn't think I would see that. And obviously, um, Lagway has a ton of talent uh, committed to Florida. So Florida. is Magnolia these days, is that in Montgomery County or is that Houston? I'm not sure even when the line cuts off. I think that's yeah. got to be – I think that's – I don't think that's Montgomery. I could be wrong. Somebody okay. will correct us on that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, that that side of town is it's interesting because, look, I've been doing this 30 years, and it's it's happened in Austin. It's happened in Houston. It's happened in San Antonio. It's happened definitely in the mid-cities of Dallas and to the east and west of uh, the DFW Metroplex. I mean, Allen was a small school when I first started this. I mean – the people, it, it's just the whole Texas population boom uh, are changing things that we don't know what it's. I mean, right. so to say, ever say ever, I can't. I, mean, I, I haven't yeah, been. The youth, know. I haven't been the youth football in Montgomery County. They could have the best group of twelve-year-olds <laughs> I've ever seen, but I don't know that yet. Forrest, thanks for the uh, question. We appreciate it, bud. I uh, hope you're having a good one tonight, and I appreciate the super chat uh, as well. All right, Jerry, let's go to this one from Daniel Kinneman. Uh, I see Daniel's name on here a lot. I think uh, we'll get him going. Which defensive end DL looked the most promising? I think he means recruiting as of today. Phil, we need three each between the two positions going into the SEC to keep stock correctly. I don't disagree. I think you're going to have a hard time finding three edges, though. Jerry? Yeah, I could see it being two high school edges and a portal, three D linemen and a portal to make four. Um you know, that the D interior D line is going to be decided next week. I actually just put up a post Ole Miss visit update on Melvin Hills on Inside Texas for those that want to read about Melvin Hills, the D lineman out of Lafayette Christian Academy. He comes in next weekend. He was at Ole Miss this weekend with Pete Golding and Randall Joyner uh, presenting a PowerPoint to show him why he should go to Ole Miss, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I do think Melvin Hills is Texas recruitment to lose. I think he's a kid who had an ACL his sophomore year. He came back. He wore knee braces this year for most of his junior year. I expect to see a better, even more athletic player as a senior. He's got a really good frame. Uh, works with a D-line coach and trainer down in that area that has had a number of guys go to the NFL. And I talked to him when I was by Lafayette Christian Academy in March, I believe, and he's very high on Hills. Um, and, and I think that Hills wants to be at Texas. We'll see what happens. He's coming in next weekend with DeAndre Robinson. 
um, out of Orlando Jones, who was at Ohio State this weekend. He was at Florida last weekend. He's got Texas, then Georgia. It was Florida, Georgia headed into June. Um, Tashar Choice, Bo Davis, both attacking that recruitment. Uh, then Isaiah Funga is coming in next weekend. And it, you know what's interesting? about Here's the thing. I think people got to be careful looking at the recruiting rankings of these D linemen. So Isaiah Funga is out of Phoenix City Central in Alabama. He's a Utah commit. He's committed to Utah because his uncle is a defensive line coach. So some people would look at his rank and say, well, he's a high three-star guy. Okay, well, he was at Alabama official visit this weekend. And then he comes to Bo Davis next weekend. That doesn't really mesh with a three-star recruit to me. Um, not when you visit Alabama and Texas back-to-back weeks. So he's probably a better prospect than where he's ranked right now. He comes in next weekend. Um, hey, I think- hey, wait, time out. I got I got I want to interject yeah. because I have another one that's just like that. And it was similar to, to uh, Sadir Mitchell a year ago. Dontre Robinson. Yeah. Six, three and a half, 315 pounds. Uh, Florida, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas. It sounds like the number 387 ranked player in the country, right? No, not even close. <laughs> 315. I mean, not, and I'm, I'm not making, it's right. just some of it doesn't make theoretical sense, right? right. I mean, that's right. what you're getting at is some of these guys are, they're they're coveted more highly than they're ranked. And, and, and to be fair, we're not taking shots at rankings. Bobby and right. I did rankings for years. And this is a process that goes through January of their senior year. I mean, so some of these kids who don't go to camps in the spring, maybe not they don't get seen as much or, you know, maybe they're injured in spring football. Uh, Isaiah Funga, had, he was sick. He lost like 20 pounds during the spring. He's getting his weight back now. Uh, closer to 285, 290. But then that next, the following weekend's Dominic McKinley, five star out of Lafayette, Acadiana. He was at AM this weekend. He's at Oklahoma, uh, the 16th through 18th in Texas. I think LSU will be right there in that one as well. Um, TJ Lindsay, we already talked about. Then Alex January out of Duncanville um, is uh, a Texas lean, a legacy, and a lean over LSU where he was at this weekend. Then, you know, Terrence Hebler, the kid who committed to Mississippi State, still talking to Texas. He could still show up on the 23rd through 25th. We'll see. I don't think so, but he certainly hasn't closed the door. And then the one, Bobby, for me, Jaden Jackson out of Brownsburg, Indiana. It's IMG. This is one where you say three-star ranking, no chance. Is He was at Ohio State this weekend. He was at Florida last weekend. He goes to Miami this weekend. Texas, and then Oklahoma's trying to get him in. A kid out of Indiana that can literally is being recruited by everybody in the country, he turned down Tennessee, right? He's turned down a lot of those schools, Michigan, Penn State. He is a really, really good football player. And I was told Friday to headed into the June visits, actually headed into the last three visits, which was Ohio State this week in Miami and Texas, that the order was probably Texas, Miami, Ohio State. This kid's from Brownsburg, Indiana. We'll see what kind of move Ohio State made. But I know he loved this Texas unofficial visit in March. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. 
They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Got it. All right. Uh, Eric, Jerry, I want to take you to a different question altogether. Now, uh, you, I know you talked to Reiner Swanson or talked to somebody about Reiner yeah. Swanson's, uh, uh, com- uh, not commitment, but uh, his recruitment. He was up at Oregon this weekend. What's the very latest on that? I think he's now back in, in Laguna Beach. Yeah. Okay. Headed to BYU from here. Okay. From got it. Not from here. I'm not in Eugene. He's headed to BYU from uh, Eugene. Uh, and then they go on the family vacation. And then he's going to, he told me he's going to decide around the 1st of July. He's going to take a couple of weeks of vacation and think about the decision. I'll tell you, talking to the, somebody close to the Oregon side, they thought Oregon had made a great, had a great visit and maybe we're ahead of Texas. But I think they think the same thing that maybe Texas does. The mom prefers BYU. So the question is going to be, what does Reiner do? And we've talked about this before. You had him on the show last week, Bobby. Is um, He's planning to go on the mission after his first year. The kids that Texas has recruited, um, they didn't do the mission after their first year. They were going to wait till after they were done with their college careers, right? So that's a little bit of a different uh, a path from guys that Texas has recruited. Um, so that I, I don't know what uh, what your thoughts are on that, but it's just it's a little different to me. I, I think it is. I, I think you've got the right mindset there, Jerry. I mean. Um, it, it would be odd. At the same time, I'll say this. You've got Jeff Banks, yeah. the, the, who is a really good tight end recruiter, first and foremost. And then second of all, Steve Sarkeesian is, is a Southern California native. Yeah. Um, and so I think those two things work. We're going to have to wait and see a little bit on that. Because I will say this, having, having covered recruiting around the country, there is – to, there, there is no place like Southern California when you recruit. Some guys are destined for South, Southern Cal, and the rest could go anywhere in the country. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is yeah. it is a bizarre area. And I don't mean that negatively. It's like they have if, – if they're not going to Southern Cal, they have absolutely zero allegiance right. to anything. Right. And I want to say this. I uh, talked to uh, Reiner after – right as he was leaving his Texas official visit last weekend. And the quote he gave me that is stuck with me is I, I want to, my goal is to be an NFL tight end. And I think Texas is the best chance that gives me an opportunity to, to develop into that. I, that stuck with me. We'll see what he does. Oregon already has two tight ends committed by the way. So he would be three, but he is the number one guy on the board for them. So that's kind of easy to wash away. Got it. All right, here we go. A uh, couple other questions. Please get some questions in. Uh, we're, Commercial free tonight. Uh, appreciate that. Glad to do this uh, for everybody. And so we we get we are able to get more questions in on Sunday nights uh, as well. Um, from Matthew Janik, uh, this is a good question, I think, Jerry. Do y'all think Anthony Hill will take over the edge spot on Thursday third downs in the spring game? It seemed like he was too talented to not be rushing the passer. I have some thoughts, Jerry. You start. Yeah, go with. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Yeah. I I think it's very possible. I spoke with Ian Boyd about it today. Um, you know, given that Jalen Ford is most likely the, the, the starting, or he is the starting middle linebacker who plays next to him is going to be interesting. Is it going to be another run stopper, which is more David Benda 
or is it going to be a guy that's can fly around a lot like Maurice Blackwell? Yeah. Or is it someone that they can move down on third downs like Anthony Hill? Um, Texas has a lot of op- a lot of options there. They could even, according to Ian in his idea, is make Jalen Ford be the fly around guy if they really wanted to, uh, and then put somebody else with him. So um, it, it's it, would that make sense to you as good as he is dropping pass cover? So Jalen is excellent with his instincts. He he is, but I like how he shoots. I mean, I think he's I think he could be a little bit of both, but yeah. as in pass drops, I think he's rare. Yes. And that's what that's one of the things Ian and I talked about. Like there, there are good linebackers in, in pass coverage. They are there are rare ones that actually know where the passing lanes are and get there yeah. with the drops. Uh Jalen's one of those guys. And so I, I agree with you, Jerry. Uh I don't think I don't think they do that. So I think they either try to do something with Maurice Blackwell and or Anthony Hill. But I believe my my bet would be they start with David Benda and go from there based on what team they are playing that week. Yeah, and, and I think to answer his question, as Anthony gets his feet wet, absolutely, he's going to take it over. Um, being an early enrollee gives him that chance by midway through the year to, to be that complete player, I think. Yeah, Matthew, thank you so much for the question. I uh, appreciate it very much. Uh, let's go to this one real quick. I think it's a uh, interesting one, and I've, we've been remiss not to ask some basketball questions yeah, uh, the last two chats, and I, yeah. I, I want to don't I don't want to get on the wrong side of some people. Any updates in basketball, Jerry? Grad transfers, coaching, Lamarcus Aldridge news. Not sure what that means. But well, have some yeah, the Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, I, I I've been told a couple times that he could end up being going back, finishing his degree, and being a, a volunteer assistant coach while he's doing that. Um, it, it, so that's an that's a possibility, right? He's he's close with. Frank Haith and Rodney Terry, obviously he was on those teams, um, elite eight team. And so um, I think Frank had taken the Miami job by that time, Texas. No, no, no. Frank was still at Texas. Um, so Rodney and Frank know him well, know LaMarcus well. I think LaMarcus, now that he's retired, he's been in Austin more. He wants to be a part of the program. Um, so I think that's a possibility. Grad transfers. Look, that's all depends on when guys jump in. You could see a guy jump in this week. You could see a couple of guys jump in after the summer sessions when they graduate. Um, I expect Texas to add two more pieces to this team. Will it be two guards? We'll see. Will it be a guard and another big wing? We'll see. I don't think that's as likely. I expect them to add two more pieces, though, and, and end with 11 scholarship players. Jerry, I looked this up while you were talking. LaMarcus Aldridge wants to go back to school and get his degree. Career earnings, $213 million. Unbelievable. Yet he wants to go back and get his degree. Yeah. So sometimes you just you just shake, you just say, good on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's good for him. Yep, exactly. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff there, Jerry. All right, uh, let's go to Cliff Beckman. Jerry and Bobby, what is the ideal number of offensive linemen on the roster? Jerry? I always say 16, 15 to 16. I think 16, one over a three deep. Is what I've always thought. I don't know what you think. I I, I go sixteen to eighteen. Yeah, uh, just a little bit over. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, generally uh, there is no. And this is in this day and age, it may change because of the portal. Right. Okay. You may not want to incubate as many offensive linemen as you 
typically have had to over the years, right? Yeah. Uh, before the portal, you better take 15 because in two years, you're not going to have an offensive line. Um, you know, and so that's what happened to Texas more, more years than I care to think about or recall at this point. By, by the uh, way, so, so let's add, we expect them to take four or five in this 24 class. Even though they've taken 12 the last two classes, that would make 17 and three classes. But that's getting the number closer to where you're thinking as yes. you head into the SEC. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll keep going uh, here, Jerry. Uh, speak with Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Uh, this is the Longhorn live stream on Sunday night. Hey, can I ask you a question that I think the, I, I want the reader or the subscribers and people listening to hear? Your thoughts on the NIL legislation that was signed uh, yesterday in the impacts on that for Texas? You wrote about it inside Texas, but for the people uh, that are here, what kind of your thoughts and what does that mean? Well, two things happened this week. It's kind of been last 48 hours have actually been fairly big as it relates to news in the NIL world. On Friday, uh, Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated released a uh, opinion from a chief counsel of the IRS saying that they were going to, tr- they were thinking that most of these collectives were not actual 501c3s or 3c's. Uh, the Texas One Fund actually is and has already been approved. So there's that. The second thing that happened on Saturday is Greg Abbott, uh, the governor of the state of Texas, signed into law a bill that I think will take place or begin to take place July 1 that allows Chris Del Conte uh, and the group at uh, University of Texas to start raising funds for NIL directly. So it's and awarding points by way of that. So if you're a Longhorn season ticket holder and you're sitting between the 40 yard lines or 20 yard lines, you're likely paying more for your ticket than other people. You'll likely have the opportunity to, instead of saying, I want that money to go to a nicer, I don't know, a nicer locker room. You can say, I want that money to go to NIL instead. Um, And so uh, just keep that in mind. Explain the significance of that because Nick Saban went to D.C. this week uh, trying to put the, the kibosh on all this. But well, uh, that wasn't good news for Nick Saban. Yeah, I don't I, – it, it's not because Alabama, while they're really good uh, at and have a lot of fan support, they're still not Texas. I mean, they're not Texas A&M from that standpoint, from a, a financial perspective. And so um, that's that's what he was getting at. And I think he wants something that's more fair – whether it's a salary cap or whatever, the problem with a salary cap, the, these guys aren't employees That's and, right. and there's no union. And so I think, I think Mr. Saban, even though Joe Manchin, the Senator from West Virginia and Tommy Tuberville, uh, the uh, Senator from Alabama are trying to get together and put something out. I highly, highly doubt uh, it gets passed because it's going to be, I, how do you put a cap on on the amount of money some a man can make, right? Yeah. Um, and you know that's that's a tough thing, and it, it was for years. So I'm not trying to, uh, you know, all of a sudden change my tune. It's just when when the floodgates open, they open, and there's no putting the genie back in the bottle, as it relates to that. So I appreciate the question, Jerry, because I, I meant to touch on that at the outset, and then just got going and, and didn't didn't get back to it. All right. A uh, couple more questions here, guys. We got about 15 minutes left. Uh, Jerry, let's go to E. Kim here. 
Jerry, how many potential NFL draft picks are on the 2023 roster? Uh, let's go through this, Bobby. Um, the, it's a whole roster, or just guys going in the draft. Right, let's just let's just pick this year because I think that then you're just you're talking. Okay, about well, let's run down by position: quarterback, Quinn. Yes, maybe. Yep, but but he may not go this year. Right, right. Yep. If he has a good season, though, um, tight end Sanders. Early okay. entry. See, it's going to be to be the early entry dependent. Dependent. Worthy. Ad Mitchell. Uh, Whittington's maybe on that marginal line, right? Um, then you go, and I'm not count, discounting Jonathan Brooks if he has 1,200 yards as a good season. He probably should go pro at that point, right? At, at three years into college. Um, but then you get in the defense. Jalen Ford's a draft pick. Um, could Gavin Holmes be a draft pick after this year? Possibly another early entry. Uh, Jalen Catalan, if he's healthy, potentially. I just don't know if he's medically going to check out to be drafted. Uh, but for sure, Tavondre Sweat, for sure, Alfred Collins, for sure, Byron Murphy, if he comes out. And that's three guys with four to four. Um, Jaron Thompson, maybe a fence guy, free agent guy. Um, Long term, Terrence Brooks, but he's not eligible this year. Yeah. I, look, I think. We've talked about as many as 10. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to shy away from that. No. Uh, if the guys that are draft eligible go, I mean, guys like Byron Murphy. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that's one that could easily make it if, if, if it happens for him. All right. It, I want to go to this. Let's one. say the same thing we have been saying. If Quinn Ewers, A.D. Mitchell, Worthy, Sanders, um, Byron Murphy go pro Texas probably won 10 or 11 games because yeah. that means those guys will have had a whale of a season. Right. That's and that's exactly what you right. want to happen. That, that, I agree. Like, I, I think that that's where you get to that place where if you're good enough and you have enough recruits coming in, you can weather that storm yep. and success breeds success. Yep. That's the ultimate goal for Texas. In my opinion, beyond winning a national championship is to be reloading every year like they were years ago, yep. you know? And so that's that's ultimately it. All right, uh, speaking of Jonathan Brooks, this one's from Reiner from Shiner. Uh, what is Jonathan Brooks looking like physically coming into the fall? Can he handle the workload Sark gives to his RB1? Before we get to that question, I got to ask Ryan from Shiner, if he's of age, if there's still the five-cent uh, purchase of Shiner beer in the uh, brewery there after you take the tour i got those little plug nickels they give you at the end of the tour me and some buddies went to shiner one time and did that for about three hours one afternoon that was not that was not a pretty evening i'll just put it that way uh but jerry uh jonathan brooks looking like physically can he handle the workload in your opinion uh, i think he can handle the workload but i don't think you know i don't think you're gonna have a guy carrying it 25 times a game i just don't see that on this team i think they're gonna throw it more I think you have one less possession a game because of the clock not stopping on first downs. I think Cedric Baxter is a very good young back. I think Sabian Red uh, has his role. I think Keelan Robinson and, and Blue can play in space. I just don't see there being that guy that gets that many carries. So I think that's great news for Jonathan Brooks, by the way. I, I want to hit – well, you don't have to pull it up, but I want to hit two questions real quick. Uh, because we've had this about three times. Victor Wimyamba, somebody asked about as a basketball prospect, who's going to be the number one pick in the draft by the San Antonio Spurs. If you live in San Antonio, get out and watch this guy. I think it's all about health for tall, long guys like that. But as far as physical gifts, he's as good as you'll see. I, I mean, this guy, 
if he's not one of those top 50 players of all time, something went terribly wrong. And to somebody asked if you or I are going to Tuscaloosa this year, have you made plans? Are you going to Tuscaloosa? Oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'm doing the post-game show. There you uh, go. As well. So I'm excited about that. I hope, hopefully I'm doing it amidst a bunch of crying Crimson Tide fans. <laughs> right? All right that, that would be fun for me. Um, are you going, Jerry? You know. I don't know yet. Uh, I'll go see KJ Lacey play a couple times. So uh, a lot of that will depend on his schedule, where they play and when that is. Yep, and they got I they've got I think they're bringing in two other guys from uh, Alabama in this recruiting class. Makai, how, how do you say his name? Makai Black, Blockton. Yeah, yep, yep. Blockton, as well as Faga, as well as Warris Faga next weekend. Yep, both right. those guys. All right, next question, uh, Ryan Nelson, Daniel Calhoun, the big offensive lineman out of Georgia. His chances, he's going to see him August 19th versus Grayson. Oh, Thanks, that's, Ryan, for the Hey, game. Ryan, first of all, there may be 40 Division One players on that field. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Grayson's as talented as they once were, but, I mean, Walton, uh, man, those big-time games in Atlanta. I mean, 30 to 40 D1 kids on some of those fields. Daniel Calhoun, look, entering June, it was Georgia or Texas. Obviously, he's from the Atlanta area. He's at Walton High. Uh, his father played linebacker at Bama, where he visited this weekend. He goes to Auburn on the way back home to Atlanta. He's there Monday, Tuesday. Uh, then he goes to Tennessee this next weekend. Then Texas, last visit, the 23rd through 25th. The family loved the spring game. Daniel Calhoun loved the spring game. Kyle Flood to short choice. They're attacking this one as much as they can. A top prospect in Georgia. Look, Georgia's the best program in the country right now. Um, does Daniel Calhoun want to go there? Um, or does he want to maybe help one get to where Georgia and Bama have been? I, I think that's going to be interesting to see, but I take give Texas a legitimate chance to win this recruitment. Hey, Jerry, look at this the the screen capture that uh, Matt, our producer, has put yeah. up on the screen there with the RPM. Texas isn't among those. Is, is Texas, are people kind of sleepwalking on Daniel Calhoun in the Southeast, kind of like they sleptwalk a little too early? long on arch manning i mean well, i'm not trying to compare the two I and I, I haven't looked at if anybody's put in a prediction for college i don't think anybody has that maybe they didn't i missed it but i think the thing there with the rpm right now until people start putting picks in is he's been to georgia alabama auburn and tennessee more times on campus so he's been recruited since his freshman year i uh, see nobody's put a pick in yet so there's Texas at 7-1 because he's only been there twice. He's been to all these other schools, Tennessee three times, Auburn four times, Alabama and Georgia has been there six, seven times throughout the recruiting process. Got it. All right, I want to get this next question from uh, – thank you very much, Ryan, for the uh, super chat as well. I want to get this next question from uh, Justin Yarbrough uh, because I think it's, it's time to give credit to someone that not many people have talked about through the years. How important is the recruiting of walk-ons over the years? There's been good players walk-on. How does this staff attack recruiting in that aspect? So Texas used to not recruit walk-ons except for kicker. Um, Major Applewhite recruited Nick Rose, if y'all remember that name, uh, kicked off and kicked some uh, field goals for Texas at one point. But then uh, a guy by the name of Bob Shipley, father of Jackson and Jordan Shipley, uh, got onto the Texas staff uh, and made it his mission to start a true walk-on program at the University of Texas. Uh, now, to be a walk-on at Texas, it takes a lot because you got to have good grades. Like, it's seriously difficult to get into Texas these days uh, from an in-state or out-of-state school. Um, but guys like Jet Bush, 
started as a walk-on, right? He is now a vital member of the team. Now he's not a star or anything like that. Um, also, Burt Auburn, walk-on. You know, it's it's the kickers are still going to be coming in that way. Uh, but other guys have played uh, a role in the past as well. Uh, my, I think of uh, Dylan Haynes, uh, the safety, right, that, that yeah. played for Texas. My thing is I, I want to give credit to Bob Shipley. He's no longer at the university. He's now in private business. Uh, but not many people realize that that Bob was really the incubator of that. There's some guys still on the Texas staff that had a hand in building that. John Michael Jones uh, was part of that as well. He's still on the Texas staff, but in a different position, I believe now. Uh, but uh, just very impressive what Texas has gone to do. And I asked, I had a conversation, uh, really a drawn out conversation with Bob Shipley about this about five or six years ago. And this is why I'm going into it. Um, Bob said that when he went to Jordan's games, he would look around at the Texas walk-ons and compare them to the Oklahoma walk-ons to even to the Texas tech walk-ons and Texas always had kind of the scrawniest walk-ons and he, in the slowest. And he always wondered, well, Texas should have more. And that's because nobody had really, even Mac had not put a lot of effort into it. He had, Mac had really just, just done the uh, regular team. Uh, so I think it's, it's, it's good to know yeah, that. And for people absolutely. to know that. Justin, thanks for the question, bud. And thank you for the super chat as well. All right. Hey, Ashton, thank you so much for the super chat, bud. We appreciate it as well. Ashton Holloman uh, doing that. Um, did we ask this one? From mm -hmm. Ashton? We did. Yeah. We did ask that one. Yeah. Well, maybe not sure. that specifically, but more of the edge guy off of the guy player off the edge. Yeah. Do you guys think Anthony Hill will be an every down linebacker? We did hit on that. And does Dan Quinn's imprint on this defense allow Hill to play in the box and fly around? Um, the answer is maybe, right? And it may not be all the way this year. Right. Remember, Anthony Hill, as good as he is and as talented as he is, he's still just a freshman. And so a lot of people expect the world out of these guys, uh, but uh, you got to realize it just doesn't always work that way. Um, let's go here. Jerry, you you answer this one because I I think I I touched on this the other day. Realistically, from Rich Thompson, Rich, thanks for the question. Realistically, offensive line and defensive line, are we going to be big enough and athletic enough for our inaugural twenty twenty four season in the SEC? So big enough and athletic enough, I say yes. The only question I, I see is, are they going to have enough experience on the interior defensive line? They're going to get good players. Um, we, we talked about this Friday. I think somebody's questioning the Bo Davis and the recruiting rankings of some of the guys he was going after. But, you know, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are about to be drafted they weren't national hundred guys. People have to remember that D lines. is still a developmental position. Um, and if you have a guy that can develop players, but you're going into the sec in 2024, if you were to lose sweat Collins and Murphy, you're going to be green in there, no matter how, if how, what your guys look like physically. So big enough, athletic enough, I would say yes, experienced enough. That is going to be the question on the defensive line headed in next season. For me, Bobby, I think the offensive line's on track to be about where you want them headed into the SEC. I think the offensive line is is more than on track. Yeah. Um, as, as long as they don't have attrition. Right. Um, I think the offensive line is in great, great shape. 
Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know that you could ask it to be in better shape right. heading into the SEC, to be honest, uh, because those guys from three years ago are now going to be growing, right? Yeah. Uh, then we also have the defensive line. I think the issue there is depth. It's not so much the first line guys. Yeah. It's going to be depth and experience to Jerry's point. I, I was just laughing because uh, Brazar 10 said, so is Corey Gibson going to be a Longhorn? Because Corey Gibson is a big topic of discussion on Inside Texas for those that don't subscribe, uh, and you should. Um, he canceled the Alabama visit. Corey Gibson, we're talking about the DB from Lancaster, the corner slash nickel. He, he came off the Clemson visit last weekend, and we had said if he doesn't commit to Clemson this week, then it looks better for Texas. And I, I'm standing by that. I mean, look, he canceled his Alabama visit. Is he going to show up at Ohio State next weekend? I don't know. Uh, he's got Texas the 23rd through 25th. His birthday's on the 24th. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I think if he makes the Texas visit, he ends up at Texas. That's what I'll say. And yeah. I think that's a pretty simple way to put it. Maybe that's being a simpleton. But sometimes this stuff is that way. The fact that he didn't commit the Dabo last week when Bryant Wesco, Sammy Brown, and some big boys did, um, that's positive for Texas. And then, you know, if he shows up in Austin, it's a birthday weekend. It's going to be a hell of a birthday bash for this guy. I don't see him walking away and committing to Clemson. I just don't. Maybe I'll be wrong. Rich, thank you again for the question. Let's go to Kyle Witherspoon. A healthy and a Nayor and an A.D. Mitchell. Who do you start? You start A.D. Mitchell. And you bring Nayor in and let him race by those DBs when they're tired. Uh, A.D. Mitchell's made plays in national title games and play, college football playoff games, looked great in the spring. He's the starter. Um, and I think that's where Texas could be tremendous at wideout this year and go past our expectations if Nayor is similar to the guy he was at Wyoming before the knee injury because then you're looking at four potential NFL draft picks in next year at wideout. Here's the question I have for you, Jerry, legitimately. I think A.D. Mitchell's the best receiver on the team. I agree. Like, I think he's better than Xavier Worthy. Doesn't mean Xavier Worthy's not super talented. Correct. Um, but uh, A.D. Mitchell, the, the thing that he has that people won't ever understand, it's hard to quantify, Jerry. It's not a 40-yard dash, per se. He's fast. Don't right. get me wrong. Right. But the ability to separate – between 20 and 30 yards on the outside and you be able to use your body at the same time and stay not, not get knocked off your route. Cause you're strong. I mean, now Isaiah Nayo or people say, well, what, what's the difference between him and, and that AD Mitchell's a little bit better athlete. Like right. he's, he's more nimble, more athletic. Nayor is more of that get it and go type guy. Well, you're going to run a lot of post routes with Nayo. I want to put in perspective on A.D. Mitchell because I think when he transferred to Texas, if people loosely followed him at Georgia, they might have seen him catch a ball in the national title game. Wow, this guy's pretty talented. Then they go pull up his ESPN.com stats, and it's not very good. He was the number one receiver at Georgia this year. He had a high ankle sprain. It cost him two-thirds of the season or more. He was the number one guy going into the season at Georgia. Um, so that's how talented he is. I, I'm a big, big believer in him. I, I just think that A.D. Mitchell is a little bit better. That, that's my only thing. Uh, Jesse13, uh, thank you for the super chat. What happens if Quinn stays? Who transfers out, Jerry? Malik? I, I can't see. Look, 
you've said it, and I agree with you. You said, tech, I mean, Arch Manning is the is is going to be a Longhorn, and they're he's going to get a chance to be the guy. Um, if Quinn stays, does Malik leave? Does Malik stay? You know, is is this all a you know irrelevant question until we know what really happens? And yeah. and you know, if Quinn stays and Malik is the quarterback, you know, I, I don't know that we know this answer. Well, I, I do know that I walked into the uh, Texas team store at DKR Tuesday and they were selling Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers jerseys. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> eh, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Um, so, all right. Uh, YouTube user, if the 12 team playoff started in 2023, would Texas make the college football playoff this year? My crystal ball, I don't know. Um, I think they're I, – I... they win the Big 12, they would. I mean, I, I – Well, not, a, not, yes, not at 9-3, and three, right? I mean, it's got to be a 10-2 and two and win the Big 12, right? And then you're 11-2? Because you do it with know. three losses? I, mean, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I don't either. I, that's a tough one for me. Um. I tend to think 10 and 2 Big 12 championship you're in. Yeah. Big 12 championship. I think Big 10, Big 12. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, who backs up Catalan? Crawford or from Matthew Janik? Uh, Crawford or BJ Allen? What's your thoughts on that, Bobby? Well, I think Crawford out of the box. I'm not sure as sure it stays that way. And I'm also not so sure that BJ Allen won't be the backup to Jaron Thompson. Yeah. Uh, ahead of Michael Taff eventually. Right. Uh, so I thought B.J. Allen, the last two weeks of spring, had his best two weeks as a Texas Longhorn. I think it, there is some thought that the light bulb may have come on for B.J. Allen yeah. at this point. All right, um, guys, it's it's been an hour. I think the baseball game's getting going. Uh, thank you all for doing this uh, Sunday chat with us, uh, the live stream. Jerry and I enjoy doing it. Please like and subscribe this video and this channel. Also, check us out at InsideTexas.com. Uh, Jerry's going to have an article about a guy that uh, just got offered, I think, in, in a couple of minutes or an hour or so. I, I don't know exactly when, but uh, he was bird-dogging something this whole time uh, <laughs> because he was asked not to say anything. Uh, so that's happening uh, as well. So please give us a shout. And uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Justin Wells. We're going to have some recruiting talk as well as some behind the stage seen stuff on the team. For Jerry Hamilton, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been this episode of On Texas Football. Thanks.